our all-loving God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. In a couple of parishes I have served, the fourth Sunday of Advent was reserved for the children's Christmas pageant. The custom was in place before I arrived, and I assumed it was because the previous rector or rectors didn't want to preach on Advent 4. <laughs> One Sunday morning on the appointed day a number of years ago, the pageant was underway and all was well except for a rather detached and wandering Joseph. He'd been a bit of a problem in all the rehearsals, but because he'd been chosen for this supporting role, no one had the heart to fire him. Firing children is frowned upon generally, and especially at church. So on the day of the pageant, his behavior was, not surprisingly, theatrical only in his acting out. About halfway through, Mary had had enough of his antics. <laughs> Without a word sig to signal her intention, with a startling loud thud as she plopped the baby down, thank God that year we'd gone with a doll and not a real baby. She stomped across the chancel, walloped Joseph upside the head, <laughs> pulled him back to his position, and said in a loud stage whis whisper, sit. <laughs> and he did, <laughs> reverently, for the remainder of the pageant. I have not followed this young man through his life, but my guess is that it has involved much extensive therapy. <laughs> what we know primarily as the Christmas story comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. You know, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to all. But every third year, our lectionary turns its spotlight away from Mary and gives us the perspective of her would-be husband, a quiet, unassuming descendant of the house of David. So our entry point into the nativity story on this fourth Sunday of Advent is not Mary or Elizabeth or John the baptizer, but Joseph, known as a righteous man. It is Joseph, a quiet carpenter who upends his good life for a dream. This Christmas story is not about singing angels or adoring shepherds. Lutheran scholar David Lose says that this is a story of heartache, not wonder. In many ways, we've cleaned up and domesticated the Christmas story. We want to believe that the baby Jesus never cried, that Mary was a pretty young bride right after she delivered a baby, and Joseph was calm and protective. Probably not. Let's look closer at the story. 
For a start in the world of Mary and Joseph, their relationship is not a romantic declaration of intent. Marriage was a legal civil contract. Betrothal or espousal or engagement had legal consequences and was arranged through the elders of their families and the two parties were in their early teens. Unlike some of the hymns we sing that portray Joseph as an old man, they were both young people. Once engaged or betrothed, the couple was considered to be married without having lived together. When Joseph learns that Mary is pregnant, he can only conclude that she's been unfaithful to him. It is likely that Joseph experienced the pain, anguish, and sense of betrayal that any of us would have felt in such a devastating situation. Joseph is called by the text a righteous man, a tzaddik, which could mean that he would either remain buttoned up in law-abiding Jewishness and dismiss the young woman Mary, or he would be a gracious instrument and fulfill God's larger purpose. He chose the latter. Debbie Thomas writes, we make a grave mistake, I think, when we sanitize Joseph's consent. We distort his humanity when we assume that his acceptance of God's plan came easily, when we hold ourselves at arm's length from his humiliation and doubt. In fact, what Joseph's pain shows me is that God's favor is not the shiny, soothing thing I'd like to believe that it is. We talk a lot about justice in our society, but this story doesn't, is an illustration of where being just doesn't come close to dealing with the real problem. Justice suggests the young girl should be exposed and humiliated and Joseph be exonerated. Whatever he believed about Mary, his betrothed, Joseph was not willing to shame her either by putting her on public trial or trashing her reputation to clear his own. So he resolved to divorce her quietly, without casting blame, choosing the most humane of the customary legal options of the day. Here's a question for all of us. When we see or know a person facing public disgrace, does our heart jump to justice or mercy? I've been thinking about this a lot these past weeks, and especially this week, now that the president has been impeached. Am I filled with righteous indignation and seek justice, and or do I gloat that certain persons got what was coming to them? I confess to you that I've been struggling with this, struggling to remember that all persons are created in the image of God, and trying to pray harder for the president, knowing that he needs to know and understand that God loves him, that he's a beloved child of God no matter what. I wonder how the church has gotten so carried away with 
righteousness and justice that we've forgotten what Joseph shows us so vividly, that mercy always outweighs justice. The truth is that if any of, any of us, if, any, if everything in our lives or about our lives was exposed to public scrutiny, we would probably all be up for humiliation and disgrace and begging for mercy and understanding. If only, like Joseph, mercy was our reflex rather than justice or even vengeance. If we only practice the mercy that we all want. As this gospel demonstrates, God works through real people, ordinary people facing real and difficult challenges. God strengthened Joseph to face the almost unthinkable with courage and mercy and grace. And God works through each of us, no matter our concerns or questions or doubts. God works us with us as we are today, not as we should be or promise to be or try to be, but as we are in this moment. I hope seeing the Christmas story from Joseph's perspective helps us know that even in the worst times of our lives, God is with us, which paradoxically is the name of the child Mary will bear. That God is with us in the best of our times, and more importantly, in the worst of our times. That God never abandons us that God loves us unequivocally, totally, each and every one of us. And I hope that Joseph's perspective increases in all of us mercy toward ourselves and toward others who are struggling, whether they be persons in our own circle or persons halfway around the world. Immigrants and refugees seeking asylum homeless persons, incarcerated persons, actually, mercy toward everyone we meet. Joseph's story urges us to treat the powerless with greater empathy and solidarity. I hope Joseph's story encourages us to look at difficult situations in our own lives from another perspective, trying to remember that God is always with us. Today, Joseph is held up in the story as the one who is most like us, presented day by day with circumstances beyond our control, with lives we may never have envisioned for ourselves, tempted to divorce ourselves from it all, when an angel whispers to us, don't be afraid, God is here. It may not be what you expected or planned, but God may be born here, too, if you will permit it. Amidst our less-than-perfect lives, God is about doing something new and wonderful. And not just in each one of us alone, but in all who will be open to the good news that God loves the whole world and everyone in it, today and always.